0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the You're So Quiet podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chelsea Brown, or C. Brown in my writing life. I am a writer, of course. I am a fellow introvert. And in case you were curious, I am an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs personality scale. Do with that information what you will. Maybe in a couple weeks we'll do an episode on personality types and get into a little bit more of what that means, and maybe I'll take an Enneagram test too, because I've always wanted to know kind of which which type I am. Anyway, it has been a hell of a couple of weeks. I'm not really going to get into the whole story publicly right now. It's not my story to tell at this time, and just to be perfectly honest with y'all, i don't want to talk about it right now, but I do want to talk about what is kind of getting me through all of this. So of course my husband, he's super supportive. He's one of the kindest humans that I know and one of my favorite people. My dog, of course, he's super annoying most days, but he's hes a good boy. Normally I would say exercise, because I do tend to exercise and work out more when I'm going through something emotionally. But I haven't been able to do that because my knee injury still not resolved. It's been like three weeks without being able to run or play tennis or any of the things that I really like to do. So I have an MRI coming up next week to hopefully figure out what the heck is happening and to figure out if I just need to suck up the pain, and wear a brace, call it a day. Maybe this is just getting older. Who knows? Not me. So, obviously, exercise isn't helping me currently, but I am playing a ton of Xbox. I re-downloaded Assassin's Creed Origins, which is my favorite Assassin's Creed game in the franchise. I re-downloaded The Witcher 3, which I beat... I wanna say two years ago, I beat it in full with all the expansion packs. I'm gonna play that again. And I also downloaded from Xbox Game Pass this Jurassic Park game that's like, if you've ever played Roller Coaster Tycoon, it's basically Roller Coaster Tycoon, but with dinosaurs. So pretty awesome. So doing a ton of that. (laughs) And I'm also reading a lot, which is great. I'm on my third book in the last week, which is pretty unusual for me, but I'll take it. And of course, I'll give you guys like a quick review of the ones that I've finished. But what's really helping me and not just distracting me in this kind of tumultuous few weeks is therapy. As you may remember, I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I use BetterHelp for therapy. I feel like therapy still in 2021 has this weird stigma around it. So this week, I want to talk about that stigma. I want to talk about reasons people might seek therapy out, why I seek it out, and of course, my own experiences with therapy over the last several years. But first, quick life update. I actually left my house for the first time in almost a year and a half. My husband and I flew to Seattle, so I hadn't been on a plane since February of 2020. It was super weird wearing a mask everywhere. Don't really mind wearing a mask to be perfectly honest. It means people can't perceive me. (laughs) And as an introvert, it feels great. I actually really like it and I'll probably keep doing it. But the wearing the mask on the plane, everything felt super clean, which I guess was good. But yeah, it was, traveling wasn't as, I don't know, as stressful as I thought it was going to be, which is fantastic. So we went to Seattle just for a couple days, like a Thursday to a Saturday trip. We ate so much food. I'll give you three food recommendations for Seattle. You need to go to Noi Thai. It's downtown Seattle. Thai food. I have never, not one time, had bad food from Noi Thai. You need to go to Tropea, which is in Redmond Town Center. It's an Italian place. Get the lasagna. Just trust me. They have a pretty expansive menu. Very long. Think like Cheesecake Factory type. But the lasagna is where it's at. Trust me. Just get it. So good. So much meat in it. Perfect amount of cheese to meat ratio. Amazing. Try it. You also need to go to Kanishka, which is also in downtown Redmond, and it's Indian food. If you like Indian food, this is one of the best places that I know of to go to. There used to be a really good place in downtown Houston, but they got new management, so it's not quite the same. So every time we go to Seattle or to Redmond, we have to go to Kanishka. So we ate a ton while we were in Seattle. We... Visited a friend, which was really nice. And we, we haven't seen in, gosh, like, I guess since February of 2020. Because the last time we flew, ironically, was to Seattle then as well. So that was, that was really nice. It was a good trip. The weather in Seattle was amazing. It was like a good way to reintroduce myself into traveling again. I guess that's good. And maybe it means I'll be traveling some more coming up here, but I guess we'll I guess we'll see. So while I was on the plane, I read The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth all in one sitting. I read it on my Kindle, which again, really like. I hate having to travel with books because they're really heavy and I know that I'm going to finish one and I don't want to have to carry two books. It's a whole thing. So I read The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth Five out of five stars. So good. It's basically a murder mystery from the perspective of a woman and her mother-in-law. It plays with the idea of unreliable narrators, which I think is really fun. It's something that I played with in my third book. So that book to me was just like chef's kiss. So good. <laughs> Read it right now if you have not. It's on the Kindle Unlimited thing. So if you have that, just go grab it. So good. Read it in, I guess, four hours. So I still had a little extra time at the end of the flight, but I read it all in one sitting. Get it. Highly recommend. Right after I finished that, I read Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell. I just finished it last night at like 1.30 in the morning. It's another murder mystery told from multiple perspectives don't know why i'm kind of focusing on that but okay i'm feeling it it's fine the ending was actually very satisfying i love an ending that's like very cathartic and i'm just like okay i can go on with my day now but the ending was still sad but it it felt it felt good it felt right and it felt like that's how that book should have ended so i think i'll give that one 4 out of 5 stars because it was jarring for me to switch between the different narrators because when it switched, the chapters weren't labeled. So I just kind of had to figure it out along the way, like who was speaking. And it did get kind of confusing a little bit in the middle. So that wasn't wasn't amazing. And for me, it lost a star because I had to put the book down. Like it wouldn't engage me because it was making me try to figure out who is speaking. And to be honest, the narrating voice wasn't distinct enough between the characters that I'm like, oh, it's this guy or it's this woman or whatever. It it wasn't like that. However, four out of five ain't bad. And I would still recommend you pick it up. And then right after I finished Then She Was Gone, I started reading Verity by Colleen Hoover. It is you guessed it, another murder mystery. It's about a struggling writer who is charged with finishing the remaining books in a successful series by a now-deceased author. The struggling writer ends up finding an autobiography that details the author's recollection of what really happened when her daughter died. So I'm only maybe like 20 pages in. The beginning grabs you right away I like the narrator voice. I like the character so far, the main character. I kind of feel bad for her, but not in a way like, okay, I can't read this anymore. But she's she's a very sympathetic character, so I kind of like that. I'll let you all know how that one goes because I am absolutely devouring books lately. And honestly, at the rate I'm consuming these books, I'm going to need some recommendations. So shoot me a message at your so quiet pod on Twitter or Instagram with your Rex I'm really looking for something seriously spooky can't put it down but also afraid to look at the page type of thing I love Stephen King books I don't really like anything super gory just give me like a solid haunting kind of ghost story and then we'll be good to go <laughs> So before I start this section about therapy, I just want to issue a quick trigger warning. I'm going to be talking about depression, about suicidal ideation, about self-harm, and eating disorders. And these are, I mean, they're heavy topics, right? So it can be really hard to hear about when you're in a certain frame of mind. You know yourself best, so if that's you, I encourage you just to pause the episode, navigate away from the podcast app, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. So there are a lot of misconceptions about therapy, and we'll talk a little bit about them as we work through this. So one of the main things that I've encountered in my life is that people didn't want to be associated with someone who was quote-unquote crazy. When I was a teenager, I I really needed some mental help. I was truly going through it when I was a child and when I was a teenager, so I really could have benefited from something like therapy. But people didn't want to be associated with that and just wanted me to Buck up, right? Stop being a baby. Stop acting crazy, whatever. And to be perfectly honest, looking back, I would rather be labeled as crazy than be actually deceased, but that's just me. But this idea of seeking help or needing help making you crazy is pretty common. Unfortunately so. But first, let's break down the word crazy, okay? It could mean mentally deranged or enthusiastic, based on dictionary definitions. But in our context, I feel like it's used more as a blanket term and a really lazy blanket term at that. In calling someone crazy, you're making sure that you distance yourself from the situation Calling someone crazy eliminates the possibility of empathy or even sympathy for a person. Like, oh, they're just crazy, not my problem, right? It becomes an us versus them dilemma and othering. And that's just not helpful in any possible context. Calling someone crazy does nothing to help them, right? If they are actually struggling with a mental illness, they need help with the mental illness. Calling someone crazy does absolutely nothing. It actually furthers this kind of stigma about being someone with mental health issues. There's also the idea that if you seek out therapy, you're weak. And this is something that was presented to me when I was 16 years old, which is pretty depressing to be perfectly honest, but whatever. The idea, like I said, was that I just needed to buck up, right? I just needed to go for a run or exercise more or whatever. And truthfully, exercise does help my mood, but I also have depression. And depression isn't something that you can just exercise away. And seeking out help for mental illness doesn't make you weak, It just means that you need some help. Just like if I broke my leg, I wouldn't just hobble around on a broken leg, I would go to the doctor. It's just that simple. There's also the idea that if you seek out therapy, you've had a breakdown or you have a mental illness or you're in a bad place. And that can be true, but it doesn't have to be. I've had three different therapists over the last six years and I sought them out for different reasons. So my first one, I was just struggling with some general depression symptoms and resurgence of an eating disorder. I knew that it was starting to get bad, so I wanted to go kind of get ahead of it because I didn't want to be back in that place again. For my second one, I sought her out because I was in the middle of a depressive episode with suicidal ideation not a good place to be. Very frightening for me, frightening for my husband, and just something that I really needed to to get some help with. But my third one, I actually joined BetterHelp to try to overcome some self-doubt as it relates to my work. So it's not because I'm depressed, but because I, I want to further my career. And the truth is that people seek out therapy all the time for. A ton of different reasons. Maybe you are struggling with a mental illness, or maybe you just want to learn how to communicate better, right? Maybe you want to be a more empathetic person. Maybe you have some childhood trauma that you want to work through. There are tons of reasons to seek out therapy. People also have this idea that therapy is like you're going to go into your therapist's office. And you're gonna lay down on this couch and you're gonna talk and they're gonna write in their notepad. And that's just like not how therapy works at all. That's very TV movie That's just simply not how it happens. In my own experience, that's never happened that way. I mean, I do sit on a couch, but it's never been like a lay on a couch type thing. And in that context, it would have felt weird to lay down anyway. I also meet with a therapist now virtually. So that's just like on a webcam, no laying down. Sometimes they record their sessions. Sometimes they take some bullet notes or some more extensive notes. It just really kind of depends on the person. And there's also the idea that okay i'm struggling with this thing and i'm just gonna go into therapy it's gonna be like two sessions and i'm gonna emerge from this psychological process as a new person like a newborn baby clean slate and that'd be really cool (laughs) if it really worked like that but uh it it doesn't it doesn't work like that i yeah, that's a really common one that I hear from people. If I have friends who come to me, because I'm very open about being in therapy. So they come to me asking what to expect, and I can offer my experience. Obviously I've never been to all the therapists or counselors in the world. And they're like, Okay, so how how long does it take? Well, it depends. It depends on your therapist, it depends on your goals. It depends how open you're willing to be. I know for me, it can be really uncomfortable to be as open as you need to be with somebody to actually make substantial progress. The truth is that there is no time that's gonna be like, okay, well, you're fixed now. And there's also the idea that you have to be fixed. We're not broken people having a mental illness does not make you broken it doesn't make you a bad person It just means that you have a mental illness just like if i have allergies it says absolutely nothing about who i am as a human being so even though therapy isn't like this ready-made solution and you just in and out like a doctor's visit it's not really like that it's not like taking your car to the shop But it's also not like this thing that you just have to go to for the rest of your life. Most therapists, okay, I would say a lot of therapists. I won't say most therapists because I don't know if that's that's true. A lot of therapists have a plan for the things that you're struggling with. In my own experience, it's like, okay, so what do you want to get out of this? And then these are the things that we're going to try. And we'll see how those things work for you. And as you're getting closer to the end, you can speak about this with your therapist. And they'll know, they'll see that you're making progress. And if you meet your goals, it's at that point that you can be like, okay, I don't think I need to come anymore. And you kind of graduate, as it were. But that also doesn't mean like you can't go back to therapy for something else or even the same thing. If this thing keeps cropping up and you're just not able to work it out, Seek out a therapist. I also know that some of my friends have stopped going to therapy because they leave their sessions feeling kind of crappy. And frankly, that's kind of part of it. You shouldn't leave feeling horrible, okay? But my first therapist actually told me that it's like an emotional hangover so you're bringing up all these really sensitive intimate topics and it's it's hard it's very taxing mentally to to talk about these things sometimes so don't expect that you're going to leave feeling fantastic but it can also feel like a catharsis like a release And I find that that release and that feeling like, oh my gosh, thank you, like I'm glad I got that out, that comes more toward the middle or end when you truly trust your therapist. And that's one of the most important things. I I cannot stress that enough. If you do not like your therapist, if you don't trust them, if their tactics don't work for you, that's fine. It's so okay to just switch therapists. And it's not like this personal thing where you have to have a meeting with them and tell them, well, this is why I don't want to come anymore. And it doesn't doesn't have to be aggressive like that either. It's just like, hey, I I don't know that this is working for me. And they're professionals, right? They know that they're humans, just like everybody else. And not every human is going to be for you. So you can tell them, like, hey, I don't think I'm going to be coming back. Or you can just flat out not make a new appointment. Therapists are ghosted all the time. All the time. My one of my therapists in the past actually mentioned it to me that she has had patients just decide they didn't want to come anymore. And that's fine. In hindsight, I wonder if she was just telling me, like, if you don't want to come anymore, you can just not make a new appointment. It's just a fact of of life. It's just like a a primary care physician. If I don't like my general doctor, I'm just going to find another doctor. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands at least of doctors, right? There's no reason for you to have to stick with someone that you don't like or you don't think that their tactics are working for you. But also don't be closed off to the idea that, you know what, maybe that might work. So my most recent counselor that I'm seeing now, he wants me to try something called narrative therapy. And it's basically like rewriting certain events in your past. It's like the idea of if you tell yourself something often enough, it becomes the truth. And while I like it in theory, I do. and I think it could be really helpful with some of my past traumas. My brain is just like, dude, that that's not right. That's not right. I can't lie to myself. So I'm still just trying to reconcile it and I'm kind of going through other stuff at the moment. So that's been put on the back burner. But if at any point I'm just like, you know what? I, I don't think that this particular tactic is going to work for me. Be like, okay, well, let's try something else then. And that's the kind of relationship that you want to have with your therapist. I also think it's important to mention that not all therapy leads to medication. I personally have never been on medication. I have been diagnosed with mental illness, with major depressive disorder, and I've never been put on medication. You might be put on medication if who you're working with thinks that that's the right path for you, but if you just don't want to try medication, then that's fine. Don't feel like, oh, they're gonna just try to pump me up with pills and I just, I don't want to do that. There's so many side effects, whatever. I feel you. I do not want to be on antidepressants because of the potential side effects. One of which is like increased risk of suicidal thoughts. Like that, that would be the reason that I'm taking it, to not have that. So for me... Not worth the risk, personally. For somebody else, it might work amazing. And frankly, it might work great for me, but I'm not at a point where I really want to try it. And that's fine. And if the person that you go see, like you must be on medication right now without even having sessions with you to determine that like, okay, this would be managed best with medication, maybe find a new therapist just just my personal my personal thoughts on the matter. I don't think anyone should force you into doing something that you are extraordinarily uncomfortable with. Okay, so all of this to say, I think that therapy is a really good tool and I think that more people can benefit from it than believe that they can. If that makes sense because of these misconceptions, because we have this idea of sitting on the couch and talking to some dude with a notepad who just says, "Mm "Mm-hmm," and how do you feel about that? Because we have this idea that going to therapy makes us crazy, quote unquote, because we have this idea that going to therapy makes you weak somehow because you can't just buck up and take it. To be perfectly honest, I think that it takes more strength to go to someone with something that you're really struggling with, something that's really raw and painful inside you. Say, look, here's this thing. I can't stop thinking about it. It really hurts me. I need help. I think that takes more strength than just being quiet about it. I'm someone as you might be able to tell from the title of this podcast, that's very quiet about things that I struggle with. For a very long time, I struggled with self-harm. I have scars on my legs and whatever that are from that period of time. And the scars and the damage done to my body through an eating disorder, that I also had for years, all of that is not strength, right? That is just a manifestation of this thing inside me that is hell-bent on tearing me apart, right? It would have been stronger of me to seek out a therapist and get some help. But I started self-harming when I was 14. Uh, My eating disorder kind of emerged for the first time right around that very same time. And I wasn't in a place where I could do that for myself. So I guess I did what I had to do to survive. And as soon as I was an adult that could make my own decisions, that had a support system around me. I was like, you know, you need to do whatever you need to do, whatever that looks like. You need to take care of yourself. When I finally got there, I took the hard step and entered therapy for the first time in my early 20s. And I'll tell you what, it was It was actually pretty scary. I remember going to my very first therapy session ever. And I walk into this waiting room and there's this little classical music playing in the background. And my heart is like ripping out of my chest, right? Because I am so frightened. What is this person gonna say to me? What are they gonna make me feel? What am I gonna have to tell them? And to this woman's credit, she was very kind. She knew that it was my my first time, as it were. So she was really nice. And going through that that first session was not as painful as I thought. But I also ended up not going to that therapist anymore. I went for, I think, six months once a week. And I just didn't like that she looked at me with such pity. It seems like something so stupid that I would stop going to a therapist because she pitied me, but I'm not going so you feel bad for me. I don't need to just talk to someone and get sympathy and whatever. No, I need to deal with these things that I have physical remnants of on my body. I need to deal with these things inside me and in my mind so that I don't have to go through that physical stuff ever again, right? So that, for me, didn't work. And I was able to take that step and walk away and find another therapist that I liked much better. It all sounds really easy, right? When you just say it like, oh, I just walked in. It was fine. But it's it's not. It was hard. So if you're struggling and you're like, I think... I want to go to therapy, but you're worried what your spouse might think or what your friends might think or what your parents might think, your siblings, whatever. Ask yourself, would that group of people, those people, would they rather I be in pain or would they rather I go get help? Okay? Just ask yourself that. Would they rather I be in pain and not be any version of my best self, or would they rather I go get help? And I would say, nine times out of ten, the answer is that they would want you to go get help. They probably have the same misconceptions about therapy that you do, right? So go get the help you need, and show them that it works, right? I always say, I want you to show me with your actions. Don't tell me something, right? I don't need you to tell me that something works. I need you to show me that something works. So there are tons of options for you. You can go online. There are two companies that I can think of off the top of my head. That's BetterHelp and Cerebral. They both do online therapy. You can talk on the phone, you can do video chat, you can even just do text messages, right? You can also go to whatever your insurance is, if you have insurance, and ask them who's covered. And everyone's insurance is different, so definitely get information on that. You are not helping yourself and you are not helping anybody around you if you're dealing with this extra stuff that you don't have to be dealing with right now that you could literally just go get help with. And I know I, I know it sounds dismissive and it sounds overly simplistic, but sometimes the hardest things to do really are just that simple. If you think therapy can help you, try. And maybe you'll go to a couple sessions and you'll be like, man, that Chelsea girl has no idea what she's talking about. Therapy sucks okay, cool. At least you tried it. And then you can try something else and find out what works for you. So, on that note, after my little mini rant, we are about at the end of our time together. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Wright C. Brown, W-R-I-T-E C. Brown. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at yoursoquietpod. So Quiet Pod. Please don't forget to send me your book recommendations. I am probably going to be finished with Verity in like two days. So please, please send me a message. As always, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps. And tell your friends. Don't forget. Okay, bye-bye.